You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Good morning. So my name's Jeff, uh, as you probably just heard. Uh, and uh, yeah, I have been here for a while. In fact, I was telling the men's group yesterday that um, it dawned on me this week that I'm, I'm actually what they would call an elder, which is <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's just so weird. I wear vans for crying out loud. I don't, I don't and no socks, you know? I don't know why that elders don't do that, but I just thought that they didn't, and it's just one of those things. So, um, so yeah, my name is Jeff. Um, before coming to the mission, I was, uh, uh, my wife and I have been involved in various different ministries over the years, and uh, from missionaries to youth pastors to being an associate pastor at a Nazarene church here. In fact, if I break out into tears today, it's just one of those Nazarene things that I took on, and I just... <laughs> It stayed with me. I tried to blame it on a head injury, but it's really the, the Nazarene thing that's down inside of me. And so um, I'm also one of the, the leaders here uh, for Grow Groups. So um, if you don't know what a Grow Group is, you can come talk to me afterwards. Wait till after. It's kind of awkward if you come now. Um, yeah, but we'd love to, I'd love to talk to you about Grow Groups because it's just an amazing part of what we do here at the mission. It is an amazing part of what we do as family um, because it, it, it gets dirty and real, not, not in a weird way, but it gets dirty and real in grow groups because we, we love each other and we pray for each other. In fact, uh, Charmaine and, and, and Dexter were parts of our very first grow group that we were a part of, and so yeah, so Nazarene. there it is, okay. <laughs> All right, I got it out of the way, finally, okay. Was, I was afraid I wasn't going to get over that, but um, anyways... So today, um, you know, another thing I do here is I'm a lawn guy. Um, ignore the lawn today because I, I didn't, I kind of forgot to mow it this week. So, um, <laughs> but today I'm not here as a grow group leader. Today I'm not here as a lawn guy. Today I'm here as, uh, as a preacher, um, not pastor. That's Jason's job. It's his title. It's more than just a title. It's a calling. Um, today I'm here to preach. I'm not here to teach, though what you're going to get today is something I hope that you will, you know, take and put the nugget in your brain and carry it with you. But, but really what I'm here to do today is, is to preach. And I think preaching is different sometimes than teaching. Um, so just be, be prepared for that, all right? Um, so before I do that, let's, let's pray because, man, I need it right now. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you for this opportunity. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to, to, to give you your glory and to praise you and honor you and come before you with the word that you've given us uh, to come forward with a message that I think you've laid on my heart, Lord, to, to encourage the saints um, as they pursue you. And so, Father, right now, I just ask that, that the words will be clear, uh, that my mind will be clear, um, and that more than anything else that you're lifted up. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, um, I don't know, some of you guys have been here for a while. I, my brain doesn't, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step into this for a second. I've had a brain injury, several, concussed for 
various different things, whether that be from building zip lines and running into trees or, uh, or jumping into things I shouldn't jump into or hitting my head in a swimming pool or by doing a backflip off the side and missing the pool. Um, <laughs> happened. Real story. Not for today. Uh, but I, I have... Um, I've lived a life of adventure. My parents who are here today uh, were so irresponsible as parents that they let, our, they, let our ki- they let the kids get into so much that we had quite an adventurous life. I'm kidding. I love my parents. I, I would not be here without them, obviously, because they're my parents. But, <laughs> but the point of all this is, is, that, is that we lived a life of adventure. We went through a lot of amazing, great things that helped shape me, and we're going to kind of get into that in a little bit. Uh, shaped my sister, shaped our family, shaped my, my, our family, the rest of our family, too. And so, um, so we went on all sorts of different adventures. And one of the things that we used to do while I was growing up is we would, we had a camper, and we had a boat, and we'd tow the boat behind the camper, and we'd go all over the country and just go to a lake, go to a river, go to the mountains, go to Kansas, which is where our family lives. We didn't, no boating there, just so you're aware. Um, and so, but one of the things we love to do is we love to go to this spot in Northern California off the American River and, and as well as the Tuolumne River, and we used to raft. And so when I was really little, I was really young, and I mean not like, I'm already little, I'm kind of a short guy, but um, when I was really little, we used to have these two rafts, these two-person rafts that my mom and dad had bought at Kmart, right, that couldn't hold air, they had crappy paddles, and we would jump into... We'd go into the American River on stuff that they would literally do like professional guides down in our little two-man raft from Kmart. It was wonderful. My mom and my sister are back there. She's paddling. The paddle would break, and they'd go, Aah! We'd be at the mercy of the river, and down we'd go, and, and, and I'd be with Dad, and we'd do our thing, too, and it, would be, it was just so much fun going through rapids on the American River. And, and eventually, we got to where that was like something we liked, like, we're going to go there and not this just be an accidental thing. We're going to go and do this as like... We're going to really raft. So my parents bought a four-person raft. It was a big raft. It's like, it had like one of those pumps you did this with. And it was like fill all up. And it was like really hard. And it had like real paddles. It was amazing. And so, and not just two, but four, like four, not four, four paddles. And so we would like, we got really good at rafting. We'd go up the American River. We'd, I remember watching my dad carry this giant raft on his back. And we'd go way upstream from where we were camping. And then we'd float down the American River through a couple of really, like, class two, class three rapids, and then we'd go, and we'd get into slow water, and we'd get past where the gold, where they discovered gold in California, and eventually the river would turn towards a bridge, and you'd get on the bridge, and literally it was a short walk. Well, it was like two miles, but dad was carrying the raft. It wasn't a big deal, so, <laughs> but, but there's a point to that is, that, is that when we'd go rafting, mom and dad would get tired because dad's carrying the raft on his shoulders. But my sister and I still wanted to do more things in the river. So what we would do is we'd throw on our ski vests, life jackets, put on our life jackets. And then what we would do is we would scramble up the rocks, up the river from where we were staying at the campground above this rapid called Troublemaker. It is a class two rapid on the south fork of the American River. Um, And it's a famous place because they set up photographers and they do pictures because it's one of those rapids that people would get thrown out of their boats all the time. And so here we are as we're rafting. And my sister and I, what we would do is we wouldn't take the raft. We would just take our life jackets and we would go above that rapid, about maybe 100 feet, and just jump in the water. 
and float downstream on our backs with our feet out in front of us and sort of doing this kind of a thing as we're floating down the river. And we'd go through the rapid, and people would scream, and, and we'd bob underneath it, and it would just be like, oh, this is crazy. And, and then we would float a little further down to where the water would slow down, and we'd get out, and we'd scramble back up the rocks, and we'd go up above the rapid, and we'd do it again, never knowing that we were cheating death. <laughs> My parents probably didn't know we were doing that either. Um, but the whole point of that is that, is that there's a big difference between drifting down a river on your, in, a, in a life jacket and being in a raft with a paddle. It's very different. One, you're at the mercy of the river, and the other, you've got a little control. You've got a little bit of ability to, to steer your way through the rocks and stuff. When you're floating in the river, all you're doing is banging up against rocks, sounds a little like life, right? Sometimes life is like that. Sometimes I feel like my life is a little like jumping into a river with a life jacket, letting the currents take me where I go, banging against rocks, no real direction, kind of at the mercy of the world, and just drifting. Thankfully, God knows that I am prone to stupidity. And he has rescued me from that kind of drifting multiple occasions, both in a, in a life situation, but as well as like in a spiritual type of situation. For some reason, God is incredibly generous to me in that. I know that he has opened doors for me professionally and ministerially, but there are some, for some reason, along the road, from time to time, I'll go through these doors. I know God has opened for me. And there are days where I feel like I've just grabbed an inner tube and jumped in, not really going with any kind of intentionality or any kind of purpose, just kind of going with the flow. That sound okay to you? Do you feel like you do that sometimes? You're just kind of going with the flow? What's the result? Bruised knees, maybe a concussion or two, maybe a broken heart, maybe loss. See, I don't think God is a God of drifting. I think God is a God who makes plans. In fact, there's a very famous verse that you may already have heard of in Jeremiah, where he says, I know the plans I've made for you. You guys all familiar with that one? So James, can you put that up on the screen for us? Jeremiah 29 is where that comes from. And something I want you to know about Jeremiah 29 is, is when God speaks that he's speaking through the prophet Jeremiah and who he's speaking to is to a people that have been exiled. He's not speaking to people that are they're living in this promise and everything is wonderful. They are people literally who have been taken captive from Jerusalem, the people of Judah, and they have now been taken captive into Babylon, completely different to society, doesn't worship God or anything. And one of the reasons why God led them there in the first place is because of the wickedness that had come upon them. They had forgotten God. They were just kind of going through the motions. <clears throat> and so this is what Jeremiah 29, 4.14 says, if you want to follow along. It says this, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too might have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. 
Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city in which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Um, Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams they encourage you to, that you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. And then he says this. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and will fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found with you or found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I have carried you into exile. Up to this time, much of Judah and all of Israel had abandoned the worship of God. They had left God. And so God has led them into exile. The people of Judah were adrift. Babylon had swept in and led the people away. But we see in this passage that God lays out a message of hope for a people adrift. He sets out a plan. He tells them to do certain things. He says, make plans for the future. Okay? Don't just drift along while you're here. Can you imagine being in prison or being in exile? Someone's carried you off into a land that's not yours, surrounded by gods that aren't yours, customs that aren't yours, foods that aren't yours, like a lot of weird stuff going on in Babylon, right? They could easily have just gone with the flow. Babylon has been compared to the world we live in today, right? And it's very easy for us sometimes to just kind of go along for the flow, or with the flow, rather. But God says this to his people, stay faithful to God, pray, look forward to the day when God is coming to deliver you. You know, sometimes I think... And I'm speaking from, from me, so this may not apply to you, so just be aware of that. But I'm here to preach today, so it may be speaking to some of you. I feel like it is. But I feel like sometimes the church in America, the church in, in the world today is a little bit like the nation of Judah before they were hauled off into Babylon. They weren't, they weren't worshiping God with intentionality. They were going with the flow They had ignored God's decrees. They had given up praying to him. They weren't listening to the prophets that were around them. And off they went into exile. Sometimes we get like that in Christianity. Sometimes our prayer life becomes kind of accidental or incidental. We pray when it's convenient or we pray when when, um, times get rough. And we read the Bible on Sundays or when it comes up in an Instagram feed or maybe somebody's Twitter or X. What are they calling that now? Oh, it doesn't matter. Anyways, sometimes we go to church. Church is the same way. Sometimes we attend church because 
we don't have anything else to do on Sunday. You know, we don't have kids, don't have sports today, or we don't have plans to watch the big game, or, you know, we're not going to go out and do something that requires us to leave early, so we'll go here. Or maybe we do. Maybe we're here on a regular basis. We show up, but maybe our heart's just not in it. We're here to check a box. We're not living the intentional life that God wanted us to do, and we wonder why we feel like we are lost. We wonder why we feel like we're battered and bruised and banged up and desperate. Am I I alone in feeling that way? I mean, sometimes I feel that way. I just feel like, man, I'm just going through the motions. I'm just going with the flow. God says we're not supposed to live that way. Some of us have gotten even to the point where we're just waiting for heaven. We've, we've, We've got Jesus. Everything's good. Heaven's coming. But we have to die to get to heaven. It's the prize at the end of our life. But we're supposed to live for so much more. And that's what I'm here to to talk to you about today. A few weeks ago, Jason, Pastor Jason said something that just absolutely, um, it just really just like rocked my world, right? And what he said was this. I'm going to try to quote it. It's probably not a direct quote because... Again, when I write stuff down, sometimes I'm like I can forget in like two seconds. But this is kind of like what I heard him say. He said, is the gift of service you're presenting to God out of intention or convenience? And I heard that in a lot of different ways. But the thing that I really just heard in that moment was, is it is in our spiritual lives or in our living, do we live lives of intention or are we living spiritual lives that are more like by accident? You guys get what I'm saying? So that's kind of what I'm here to talk to you about. Because, see, God is a God of plans. Since the creation of the earth and mankind, God knew what comes next. He doesn't waver. He doesn't fear for our safety. He is actively and precisely laying out a framework for which he will fulfill his promise to us, his adopted and dearly loved children. He calls us to make plans as well to live intentional lives, to worship Him on purpose with deep intention as we pursue His kingdom. Okay, that's, that's what it's about. So today I want to outline some, some ways that we can live more intentional spiritual lives. To move from this drifting raft without a paddle and to be in, those, be in one of those big voyaging canoes like you see in Moana, you know? So that's what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk a little bit about how to how to be more intentional in the way we, the way we live as we set our eyes on the horizon um, for God's kingdom. So point number one I want to make today is this, is that prayer is our paddle. Okay, so prayer is our paddle. I'm going to go back just real quick. Uh, well, before we do that, I want to say this. Prayer is our paddle in this way. Intentional prayer, when we are praying with intentionality, when we when we have something in our mind or we have a time or when we set something down and we pray with intention, it allows us to move down the river or out of calm, dead pools and it allows us to move forward. And so in Jeremiah, this is what this says. It says, going back, we're going to go back and look at verse 10 of Jeremiah. It says, This is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to you to bring you back to this place, for I know the plans I have for you, 
declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now hear this. Charles Stanley would say something like that. Now listen, listen to this part. If you know Charles Stanley, that's what he does. He's gone now, but you know, that was just, I was struck by him doing that. But anyways, so hear this. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. Prayer is vital. It's a vital part of our lives, but so oftentimes we casually move through prayer. Recently, I was listening to a a preacher on the radio that I listened to. Um, He's a Scotsman named uh, Alistair Begg. I don't know if you ever heard of Alistair Begg. It's one of my favorites to listen to, mostly because he's Scottish, but also (laughs) because he's a sound teacher too. But he was talking about prayer the other day, and he said something to the effect of um, he had heard a he hears people pray, and, and there's this prayer that we do. Like, when I was a little kid, we used to do this prayer when, when my parents and I would sit at the ed- edge of our bed on our knees, and we'd pray, and, and we'd do our God blesses. You guys ever teach your kids or been a kid that got taught the God blesses? God bless mommy, God bless daddy, God bless... Now, we've replaced that with God be with. Be with so-and-so, and be with this person, and be with that person. Now, Alistair Begg was sort of frustrated with that, and he says... I don't understand that because Jesus says he's going to be with us always, even until the end of the age. So sometimes when we pray, when we say we're going to pray for someone, that's the kind of prayer we do. But really, God wants us to to have deep intention when we pray. And so, so when we pray, it should be intentional. Um, In the book of Daniel, chapter 6, which you can look up if you want to. We're not going to actually go over it right now. But the book of Daniel, chapter 6 Daniel, who lived at the same time as Jeremiah when he was writing to the exiles, Daniel was actually living with the exiles because he was an exile. And he was actually living in the court of a king and had been like a courtesan kind of a guy. He was like a high up sort of official. And, and one of the things that, um, that he did is he was, he was always praying. And, and so, in fact, we read in that chapter that, that um, Daniel was very intentional about his prayer life. Every day, three times a day, he would go up to his room, get down on his knees, open, well, before he got down on his knees, he would open his doors towards Jerusalem, get down on his knees, and he would pray to the Father. And he did this day after day after day. He was intentional about the way he went through prayer. It wasn't just something accidental that came up, or I've got time this morning, so I'll do it now. Every single day, he set himself up for that. We found out later on that Daniel was caught praying when it was illegal. He was actually under the threat of death while he was doing all this. And they actually threw him into a lion's den because of it. And he prayed throughout the night, and he was saved from the lions, incredibly. So the thing that this reminds me of is that we have to be intentional about, about not just about what we say, but also about how we do it. And, I, and it has changed the way that I pray. And so I'm just going to talk to you a little bit about that. Um, I am a, I'm a scatterbrain, as you can probably tell by the way I'm talking to you today. Um, I have to have specific things that I do for me to stay focused. Um, I, when I pray, I do it in a certain time of day. I get down on my knees when I do it because it, it causes me to focus. I don't sit on the couch. I don't cross my legs. I don't do any of that. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying for me, this is what I have to do. I have to be very intentional because if I'm not my mind wanders a lot. 
And so I'm encouraging you to do this. Be intentional about the time that you set to pray. Pick a time. I don't care what time of the day it is. Pick a time and pray. Be intentional about your posture before God. For me, kneeling does this. It reminds me who I am. I am Jeff. I am not God. When I get down on my knees, I am putting myself in a posture of understanding God's greatness and authority in my smallness and in my smallness that this greatness still loves this person who's small and he's listening to me when I'm in that kind of a posture. We have to be intentional also about what we say and how we say it. I'm not saying you have to use special words or anything like this, but, but really think about what you're going to do before you go into a prayer time. If we, if we aren't, a lot of times our prayers become the be with or be that or be, you know, whatever. I want to just really encourage you to think about what you're going to pray. And if nothing comes to mind, be intentional in silence. There are times when I'm praying in the morning and just I find myself babbling and I just go, ah, shut up, Jeff. Just be still. Listen. And in that time, I hear things from God and I just... It's just, it's just the best way to do this. I also want to just remind you that Jesus was very intentional about his prayer life, very intentional about his prayer life. We find multiple occasions where Jesus wandered off and, and went to pray. In Luke 15, or 5, uh, 16, he says it, it says that he would slip away lonely, into lonely places to pray. In Luke 6, 12, it says that he went up to a mountainside to pray, and he stayed out there all night long praying right before he called the 12 out to become the 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 apostles. Matthew 14, 23 also says that he went off to a mountainside to pray after a full day of preaching and performing miracles. My favorite is Mark 1, 35, which says that Jesus got up early in the morning before it was even light and went to a quiet place to pray. For me, this is why, like, why that verse stands out for me is because I, I love mourning. Some of you are not mourning people. I, I can tell. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Wake up. No, uh, I'm a morning person. I love, I love the morning. And one of the reasons why I love the morning is when I was a missionary in Mexico, I, I would wake up at daylight. Like, the daylight would be up, I'd be up. Even before that, though, my dad was a, was a truck driver, and he would he'd get up at, like, 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning, and he would drive, and he had a Jeep that had big, loud headers and make lots of noise. And so we'd be awake at that hour anyways. And so... But that's always kind of stuck with me, this importance of waking up early in the morning. So I usually get up like around five, it's quiet, uh, no one's stirring, um, and I just, I, I usually get out an app, I make my coffee, I get out this app that I use that helps kind of get me focused for the day, and I go through that for 10 minutes, and then I spend some time just reflecting on what I just heard and what I just listened to, and it guides me. And then I go through my list, it's kind of like a centric, like a like a circle that just keeps getting bigger and bigger, this ever-expanding circle, or I pray for myself, for my family, for my neighbors, for my church, for my community, for my world. And, and it just really, spending those times in mourning is just, it's just incredible, and it's just a great time. Anyways, next point. Good gosh, is it really that late? Okay, so um, you're like, yeah, it is, Jeff. So... Um, <laughs> So point number two is this, is that God is our sextant. Oh, you're like, what? What is that? You guys know what a sextant is? Okay, so Annie's over there going, I knew you would start giggling. No, a sextant is this. Um, so 
It is, a, it is a instrument, it is a tool that mariners use or that sailors used to use back in the day. They are literally, this instrument is thousands of years old, and they used it up to just even recently. In fact, I think in the Navy, they still teach you how to use a sextant so you can be guided by the stars. If you don't know what a sextant is or you can't picture it in your mind, I didn't bring a picture. Um, how many of you have seen Moana? Okay, raise your hand high. I want to see this. You guys have seen Moana? Okay. Everybody with me? This is a sextant. You guys know what I'm talking about? Remember? Okay. A sextant is a tool that we use, that, that ancient mariners used to use to measure the stars and the sun to see what their position was and to see what direction they were going. And God's Word is a lot like that. God's Word allows us to see where we're going, to set a direction, and be able to travel where we're supposed to go. It's our guide. Okay. Psalm 119.105 says this, that God's, uh, God's word is like a lamp to our feet and a light into our path. When we spend time with, with God's word, it allows us to be guided and guided well. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul's talking to Timothy. Uh, and he says in verse 14 through 17, he says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and what you've been convinced of because you know, those from, uh, you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Um, anyone here ever go to Sunday school? Remember when Sunday school was still called Sunday school? I grew up in Sunday school. I am so thankful for my parents. My parents got us involved in every vacation Bible school, every Sunday school class, every children's church class, whatever it might be. And there are still times today as a 55-year-old adult, yes, I just said it, um, that there are still verses that came up that I know that I learned when I was seven years old that come up in my head. In fact, even when I was preparing this, this sermon, I was thinking, I know this. I know this one. This is coming up. I don't know how I know this. I don't remember reading it. Oh, yes, Sunday school when I was a kid. It is so important for us to get founded and rooted in God's Word because it helps us to be guided. When we have that kind of a guide, we're not banging up against the shoals, the, 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 the sandbars, the, the rocks that life puts in our way. God's Word guides us around those things. We can't neglect it. We have to be intentional about the time we spend in it, not just on Sundays, but every day. Not just because something pops up in our Instagram feed, but because we've really devoted ourselves to doing it. And it's not about just reading the book and checking a box. I want to make sure you guys are aware of that. Sometimes we get into reading the Word and it's just checking a box. It's, oh, I read my Bible today. Jesus. Um, like I, there are times where I, I go through the Bible and I will literally get stuck on a chapter and I will go through that chapter for months just trying to figure out what it's saying, first of all, but also to let it deeply take root in my heart so that I can be changed. Like James, like I spent, I can't tell you how many months I spent in the book of James and there are things from the book of James that still stick in me that have founded me and have secured me through some really rough times. Our family's gone through some really really dark seasons. And if it wasn't for just knowing the book of James and being rooted in that and meditating on that, I don't know where I'd be today. I really don't. So one last thing.
thing, we're going to go to the next point. Um, another just verse I want to read to you guys just to remind you about the importance of being studied in the Word. Because it's not just for you, it's for people that are around you. We're a family, right? You knowing God's Word helps the people that are next to you. Okay? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 15, it says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That first part. Okay, so all these apostles and teachers, and you're, you're probably thinking, Jeff, I didn't hear the word there. But see, that's what these other people are equipped with. They're equipped with the word. The apostles are equipped with God's word. The teachers are equipped with God's word. Preachers were equipped with God's word. Prophets equipped with God's word. You equipped with God's word. And why were you equipped with that word? To prepare people for works of service so that the body might be built up, that we all might reach unity. The more you know God's word, the more unified we are. We're not cast away on all these other things. In fact, the verse continues and says this in, chapter, in verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. The deeper we are in the word, the more unified we are as people. We're not carried off by political arguments or opinions or things like this. I'm not saying there's not a time for those kind of discussions. There is, and that's fine. But when we are rooted in the Word, we begin to see what's really important in keeping us together and bound together in Christ's love. So, last point. I'll kind of wrap this up kind of quickly. The last point on this voyage. Okay, we've got our paddle, right? Got our sextant. But now we need to have a destination. What's our destination? We must set our course for the kingdom. See, if you don't have a course, you're drifting. If you're out in the ocean, like, like in Moana, if you guys remember the movie, when they were looking for Tafiti, or they were looking for Ka or whatever it was that they were doing, they were trying to find where the, where the stone was supposed to be put back. The first part of that movie, they're just drifting around. That's all they were doing, drifting around, until Moana finally figured out or finally learned by listening to Maui about how to be guided and be used and be, to get to the destination. So they were, but they, they set their course for the destination that they were going to. That's what we need to do. We need to set our course on the destination. If we are living intentionally, this doesn't mean waiting around for heavenly reward. Heaven is our destination. It, I mean, it, it's our reward, Right? But while we're here, we have a destination that we're supposed to be aiming for, and that's the kingdom of God, which is, which is happening right now. Paul says in Philippians 3, uh, 3, 12 through 14, not that I've already have obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind Straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is tough, right? Is it tough? You still with me? This is a tough thing. 
Because we, we, there's so many distractions. It's so easy to get distracted on this thing. But when we, you know, it's, it's easy to put ourselves in cruise control and go, hey, headed to heaven, got Jesus, I'm good to go. But then we, we live these, like, miserable lives. It's because we don't have a destination. We're just drifting. And drifting is awful. <clears throat> I want to give you this encouragement. It says this in Matthew. Um, in Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33, um, Jesus is addressing some of our concerns. Because, see, we get distracted sometimes by our concerns. Let me get back on track with this. Right? Some of our biggest distractions are stuff. Right? Like right now, they've, they've, I'll, I'll be, I'm going to confess something to you. One of the things that my family's been sort of struggling with right now is the whole student loan thing. Because we put two kids through college. One of them, luckily, put most of herself through college. But, but we took out student loans and thought we had a plan. And then, yes, but student loans have been suspended for almost three years. Woo, it's been great. Not anymore. And now it's like, oh, what are we going to do? I've been kind of living high on the hog here. What are we going to do now? We got, it's an $800 payment we've got to start making. This is going to be nuts. I want to just tell you this. God is never... Let me, let me, I was going to do a double negative there. Um, God has always been faithful. I've always had a roof over my head. I've always had food in my, in my belly, obviously. Um, most of the time I've got gas in my, in my tank, unless I don't. Um, <laughs> God is good. And so this is what Jesus says to us. He goes, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows, hear that, your heavenly Father knows you need them. God knows what you need. Quit tripping. Quit worrying about what's going to happen. But then Jesus says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. Perspective. When we start to seek the kingdom of God, other than apart from like just looking after ourselves, God does what he says he's going to do, and we don't have to worry. I love that verse. This, this thing is just, that's one of the things that like drove me in this, in, in preparing this today, is that, um, James, we're going to skip the last verse. I was going to talk to you about this, another verse that, that comes up in Luke where it says, I'll just share it really quickly. Not on the screen, though. <laughs> because it is important, I think. Because Jesus says... <laughs> James, just put it up. <laughs> Probably could have had it up there. Yeah, you're right. So the end of, in the end of this, of, this, of this verse, Luke 11, 9 through, through 10, I'm just going to read 9 and 10. It says this, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be open. Folks, this tells us we need to be more intentional in our seeking after God. We keep waiting for God to show up. But this isn't, hide, this isn't hide and seek, you know? We have to go after Him. 
We have to seek after him. He's there. He's waiting. He's ready to take your worries off of your shoulders, to take the pain out of your life, to give you direction when you feel like you're wandering. He's waiting for that. All we have to do is seek him. So to conclude this, I just want to end with just a real quick story and we'll be done. When I first sat down to write this, I was, the word wander came up a lot. Drifting, wandering, you know, this, this word. And, and I was reminded of a, of a group of people who wandered. Can you imagine who it was? Can you guess? Anybody? The Israelites. The Israelites came to mind. Okay? If you don't know the story of the Israelites, this is kind of how it worked. The Israelites were a people group. They went down to Egypt years ago. This family went down to Egypt because of a famine. While they were down there, they grew and grew and grew and grew and grew until they were great. And then Pharaoh didn't like them too much, so he put them into slavery. And so they were in captivity for a really long time. Then God sent Moses, and Moses led them up out of captivity. He led them through several plagues, what they didn't get touched with, led them through the sea, the Red Sea, on dry, on dry land over to the other side, wiped out Pharaoh's army, and then led them into the desert. He gave them food. He gave them water while they were there. Their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothing didn't wear out. He was with them all the time in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. All the time, God's presence was there. And then he said, hey, I gave him some laws. Not going into real deep here. And then says, hey, I've got this place that I've actually prepared for you. I prepared it for your ancestors. I promised it to Abraham. It's this land flowing with milk and honey. And they get right to the gates, and they send some people over to look, and they see that it's good. But then a bunch of them came back and said, hey, it's good, but the people there, super scary. And so the people rebelled against God, and they rebelled against Moses, and they rebelled against the leaders that gave the good report, threatening to kill them. And God said, I should just wipe them out right now. But he didn't. You know what they did instead? They wandered in the desert for 40 years, and they died there. All along, God took care of them, but they died there. So in that, what I want to leave you with is this, is that we have a choice. If you feel like your walk in Christ is just a wandering, and all you're doing is just waiting for heaven and death, I'm telling you, that's not the life God prepared for you. We have to be intentional in our faith. We have to be intentional about the direction that we're going. We have to be intentional in the way that God's laid things out for us. Be intentional in prayer. God will give you direction. Be intentional in reading God's word. He will give you direction and comfort and people around you to support you. Be intentional in seeking after God's kingdom and all the other stuff is going to come to you. Peace is going to come to you. Joy is going to come to you. Even when things feel rough. So here's your choice. Are you going to be in a life jacket or a raft without a paddle? Or are you going to be in a rowboat? Choice is yours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. And I, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Um, God, I thank you for your heart. In, in souls around us and the people that are here that have encouraged me and encouraged my family. and Lord, I just ask that we would be 
that you would encourage us daily to be more intentional, that you would remind us that you're there. And if we just seek after you, you're here to listen. You're here to take our hand and guide us and take us in the, the place flowing with milk and honey. We love you, Lord, in this day. And just may we just take the things we've learned today and the things that have been shared and put it into action, not just sit and rest and think good thoughts about it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.